Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Sajeki, and today I'm welcoming cybersecurity expert and activist Chris Roberts. An authority on counter-threat intelligence, Chris is currently the Chief Information Security Officer for Boom Supersonic. He is also an advisor for many additional organizations and has worked with and founded multiple companies specializing in darknet research, intelligence gathering, cryptography, and more. Chris is also a hacker at heart, and from my understanding, he has hacked into everything from cows and camels to things with wings, wheels, tracks, and tires. So Chris, uh, I understand you're here at Tel Aviv University as part of Cyber Week 2023, and I feel very lucky to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. A ton of fun. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation, should we say. Me too, definitely. <laughs> Um, because, you know, hacking is going to be one of the, the areas that we cover. I thought I would begin right off the bat with, I've heard you differentiate between hackers and attackers. So maybe you can jump into that and, and explain that to me a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's an interesting world because, I mean, if you look at anything in like IT, infosec or cybersecurity, it, it was built on the premise of, of a hacker. It was built on the premise of, of investigation, on on questioning and quizzing things. It's If you put in your mind's eye this idea of being handed a box, uh, and most normal individuals will go, oh, it's a box, it's cool, and these are the five things I can do with it. Most of us from that have that mindset of questioning, quizzing, basically anything on the planet, look at the box and go, well, that was cool, throw it over our shoulder and go, right, how do we start differently? Or we look at the box and go, how do we do things differently? Uh, for a perfect example is like when I'm interviewing people to come and work with us at Boom or even any of the other companies, I typically take literally my cup of tea, which is normally in my hand. I put it on the table. And I'm like, give me five or 10 different ways, or 10 normally, give me 10 different ways to get the water out of the cup without touching it. And it's interesting to see how there are people which are very, very governed by the rules that they've imposed on themselves in life can come up with maybe four or five or six different ways. And, th and then they're stuck. But then you, you get that hacker mentality, which is like, well, great, I'll just turn I'll, I'll turn physics off for a bit. Let me just turn gravity off. Let me train squirrels to scale down from the ceiling and dip their tails in. And let me actually just demoleculize the actual cup and the glass itself. And you start looking at that mentality. So that's the hacker mentality, which has really formed our industry now. Then you get to morals and ethics, and that's when you start getting into the, am I doing it for the good of humanity? Am I doing it to help people, or am I doing it to personally benefit? You start getting into that personally benefit, and now you're turning into more of that adversary criminal stuff, especially when you start taking stuff from people and you start monetizing with them, you know, credit cards and fraud and everything else along those lines. So that's when you go over that ethical moral line and you end up basically as an adversary or a criminal or an attacker or whatever okay. other one. Okay, so you see hacking is very much, it's outside of the box thinking and approaches to um, whatever scenario you're addressing, um, but attacking is when you sit across the moral line and you're doing something that ethically is questionable. And even attacking is a tough one because, you know, you talk about red, so red teaming, the ability to actually go in and exploit vulnerabilities against the company is good because then the company learns. Those are attacking but it's it, at the end of the day, you're either on the good side or the bad side. I mean, there is gray area, no two ways about it. There's not a very simple line. 
But if you can look in the mirror and go, I'm taking advantage of somebody and I'm going to monetize them or I'm basically going to do harm to them. At that point, now you're on the criminals. It's criminal. I mean, you don't look at an accountant. If an accountant is cooking the books, they're not like an unethical accountant or a, or a white hat account or black hat accountant. Again, now we get into that. I mean, you start looking at that black and white thing and it's like, no, that's not a good way to look at life, especially in today's society. We should have known about it 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Nowadays, we got to go, yeah, we can't use that either. and We shouldn't use that. Okay. Okay. Um, so you yourself um, kind of began as a wee kid, as a hacker, not an attacker, to clarify. And, and um, you know, I, this was really before this cybersecurity industry became what it was. Um, so can you talk about that that journey for yourself a little bit? You know how you began, and you know where you where you are now. Yeah, totally. I, I so I spent almost a year at boarding school. I was ten, nine, ten years old, and my parents were together at the time. And they were my father was British Royal Air Force, and we were in Sardinia. I'd done with school over in Sardinia, so they sent me back to the UK for a school in the UK. So I was about ten years old. And I remember, I will never forget it, I remember being downstairs in the dorm rooms and uh, one of the other kids had actually got what's known as a Sinclair ZX80 for, for, for a present or whatever the heck it was. It had a whole four kilobytes of memory. I mean, that was it. I was like, okay. yeah. And it was a memory extension module that gave you that 4K of memory. And we were, we were building code. We were building a joystick for this thing out of wood and basically sticks. And we were putting sensors. We were doing lots of stuff on that one. So that was like the first intro into this new thing of computing. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, I started messing around with games. And we're talking like 13, 14, 15 years old. I'm not good at losing at things at all. Have never been that good at losing at things. I can learn, but I hate losing. And so I would play these games and you'd lose at the games. And again, these are early games. These are command line DOS games. And uh, I remember playing a couple of them. And I didn't like losing. So I started looking at the code behind the game. I get the magazines. I would go onto the bulletin boards and I learned how to code the game so that I didn't necessarily lose as much as I used to. Learned where the secrets were, tried them and reloaded and yeah, all sorts of fun stuff. And it just went from there. And uh, I got yelled at when I was 15. Uh, I broke into a bank and uh, might have moved some financial stuff around. And being the master criminal that I was, I moved it from my father's account into an account in my name. Not the smartest thing I've ever done. And uh, police turned up, didn't know what the heck to do with me, and uh, took all of my gear, and that was about as far as it went. Got yelled at again a couple of years later for doing, for basically walking into my boss's office, explaining that, you know, I, I felt I was underpaid, and I'd broken into the mainframe and uh, took everybody's payroll and walked into, not again, not the <laughs> smartest, not the smartest thing I could have ever have done. A teenage hacker. Oh Sounds like you're gosh. a teenage hacker. Yeah, all yeah. sorts. And I... Yeah. You know, as there was, we had CDC cult of the dead cow in those days. So there was a whole lot of us that were doing a lot of stuff of, of interesting stuff. You know, it was all the the early phone days where we would go up against the phone companies because you wanted long distance, you wanted to be able to get into the modem bulletin board. So that's where it started. And I took a break at eighteen, jumped into the military, and went from there. And uh, got back into it. Got yelled at a few times again. Again, nothing drastic. It's it's always been that mentality of like, hey, I see a problem or I see an issue. We need to fix this. Mm. How do we fix it? Over the years, I've learned to moderate the we need to fix it to how do we collaborate together to fix it. It seems to be a better way of saying it. And if it wouldn't get fixed, well, then I typically go out and fix it or I'd make my point, which is not always the best thing to do, unfortunately. Okay. So I, I have to be honest with you and frank with you. Uh, I know 
cybersecurity is important. I know threat intelligence is important. Yeah. Do I fully understand those terms? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I shouldn't have, have to. to. Okay, okay. Uh, but I want to. So maybe you can, you can, in your your understanding, what what are what are they? So let's let's take the cybersecurity one. It's safety. That's all it is. In human terms, it's simply safety. When you cross the road, you look left and right or right and left, depending on what country you're in. You, In the physical world, you will do something to understand what's around you. In the digital world, it's no different than going, hey, I want to download this program. Let me make sure there's no bugs in it. Let me make sure there's no viruses. Let me make sure it's not going to... I, I, I want to click on this email link. Should I click on it? Look left, look right. In, in the human world, in the digital world, it's like, hmm, where does that link go? Let me hover over the link. Let me do something. So cybersecurity is literally the digital version of, of just human safety. Okay. You bring up a really interesting point because for me, when I think about safety, I often think about myself being out in public, crossing mm -hmm. a street, and that's where the risk is that you sort of need to look out for. Yep. But then when you're in your home, that's yep. kind of the place where you're safe, excepting now we've got a mobile phone, now we have a computer. Yep. Um, so is that one of the issues that we come across in terms of people understanding and really taking seriously cybersecurity? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, when you think about it from a, from a security standpoint, you think about it in your office, you think about it at work. And that's where traditionally we had the computing. I mean, it was, you know, here's your desk computer, the big old thing with a big old CRT screen years ago. And, and our mentality and our mindset went there. Then exactly to your point, we got the mobile phone. 11, 12, 13, 14 years ago, Apple was like, hey, here's a new toy to play with. And we all were like, woohoo. And now they're all over the darn place. Same thing with Androids. Then we put it in our cars. We went from very, very analog cars to very, very digital cars. Then we decided that we needed a television that was intelligent and smart and could connect to the internet. Then, then our fridge connects. Now our microwave does. Now our temperature sensor does. And they all connect and they all talk directly to systems on the internet. So that whole idea, and I mean, the Dick Tracy watch, 1950s, Dick Tracy's watch with it. Now, now so many people are basically wearing the damn things. Okay, right, right. And so you have, and, and, I, and as humans, we haven't caught up with that. As humans, we think these are cool toys, they're fun, they're great, and they enable us to do amazing things. But we don't think about the consequences of what's happening behind the scenes. Okay. And there's a risk to it all. There's a risk to wearing the watch. There's a risk to obviously being on your phone. Um, yep. What do we need to be aware of? I think as humans, I, truthfully, on my, if I, if whatever's left of me whenever the end happens, what I would love on the tombstone is something like ask more questions or should have asked one more question. Because as humans, we, and again, especially today, we question less and we still trust. We, and it's tough because in, a, in, in the human world, we want to be able to trust people. Part of the reason for coming to conferences is to see somebody in person, to break bread with them, to understand them before I let them into my company. Mm -hmm. And we do that, but as humans, we go buy the technology, we put it on our wrist, we carry it around with us, but we don't think to ask the question, hey, I love... The so a perfect example, let's take a step back for a second. I live in America land. It's the land of the free, the home, the brave, and a whole bunch of other crap that's going on at the moment. But we all have guns. Lots of the damn things. <laughs> Quite right. a lot. Right, right. And I always say this out. I'm like, okay, you're sitting at my desk. I, I have a loaded weapon at my desk. And to me, my phone is more dangerous than that gun. Okay. That gun at short range can do damage at a range of, you know, maybe a couple of hundred yards. 
but that phone, I can kill somebody from halfway around the planet. Okay. But we don't think like that. Okay. Okay. What do you mean you can kill somebody from your phone? Do you mind me asking? No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So there's several different ways of looking at it. You think about how do I influence people? Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at you or I'm talking with you, we're having a good conversation. But you think about online bullying. You think of the cyber influencing side of it. You think of troll, what they call trolling people. Basically, a whole bunch of people ganging up on one person. What happens to that human? They're now influenced in the digital realm, and they take it out on themselves in the human realm, and now we have another suicide, or now we have something else that's occurred. Or there's other things that we're working on as well. You know, The ability to basically hop from your telephone to your home network, to do all sorts of interesting stuff. But it, it's that ability to influence somebody to harm themselves from halfway around the planet through a telephone, for goodness right, sakes. Right, And from my understanding, it's only going to get more complicated given um, the amount of data out there, yeah. given machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yep. Um, so do you want to talk about some of the the big themes or issues um, in cybersecurity that you're looking at right now that are on the horizon? Yeah, totally. And you hit a couple of them absolutely perfectly, which is we talk about machine learning and intelligent systems and data. We are generating more and more data. I think it's that exponential curve. It's like Moore's law, which was for processes. We're now having seen in data. So almost every two years, if not shorter, we're seeing the amount of data that the human race and the machines are generating is pretty much so doubling. One side of that, we've got more data to look at. We can sift through it. Downside of that, we can profile more efficiently. And we see that every single day. You know, you go online to the internet, you suddenly go to search for a shopping bag. And then five minutes later on your Facebook page or on something else, it starts telling you about shopping bags and how wonderful they are and how to buy all these other ones. That's your internet service provider using intelligence and information against you. Mm-hmm. And that's easy, simple stuff. Then you start looking at potential of profiling. So if I have this where threat intelligence comes in, as a human being, as we walk through life, we are leaving digital breadcrumbs everywhere. We are getting better at putting those breadcrumbs or those pieces of a jigsaw piece together, puzzle together and building a better picture of a human. And then how do I influence you? We've seen it in elections. You know, we, We've had the US elections. We've had elections all over the world that the US has meddled in, let's be honest where digital data is used against the population because humans trust. If I look something up, I don't no longer. When was the last time anybody picked up an Encyclopedia Britannica and actually looked at something that had been verified, had gotten been cross-referenced and we understood from a panel of experts that it should be in the encyclopedia? No. What do we do these days? We don't look something up. We Google it. And so now we Google it, so then we don't, tr- we don't validate that. Google tells us something, we trust it. So we haven't done well at explaining to a population, hey, you see what you see on the computer, but do me a favor, ask another question, just go validate it. So when you get to artificial intelligence, and especially you start looking at the new, the, I wouldn't say the newer stuff with ChatGPT, but the fact that we've released it to an entire population, it tells you something, you, you immediately and innately trust it. You don't go, huh, I see what you're telling me about, let's say, a political situation, and I'm just going to trust it. I'm not going to go out and validate maybe against Wikipedia, which is, also another, which is also another maybe a similar source of truth. You don't go to the BBC, you don't go to NPR, you don't go to the universities and validate. We just accept what's, what we've been told. Right, right, right. 
Um, now, I've I've heard you criticize the cybersecurity industry before for not being human centered enough. Yep. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier. You mentioned there's compassion missing in terms of uh, people. Um, so, can you can you talk about your your concerns here? What what do you mean by the fact that it's not human centered enough? I think there's 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 a whole bunch of things uh, on this one, and, and we talked about it a little bit, which is, you know, our indus- our industry has been built on let's ignore the humans and put technology around them to to make things safer. Unfortunately, the attitude has been inside cybersecurity to blame everybody else. When a user clicks on something, we blame the user. You know, when the finance person doesn't give us the budget, we blame finance. When maybe something doesn't happen, we're very, very quick to blame everybody else. What we have rarely done is look in the mirror and gone, huh, that user clicked on something. Well, why did they click on it? Because they got an email with a link in it. Okay, should that email have even made it to that user for them to click on it? What could we have done to prevent that email or validated or trusted it or tested it or made sure that that user's email was protected more efficiently? What could we have done to educate the user? How could we have taken a step back and said, hey, let me help you. Let me, and, and that's the difference between like the hospitality mentality and, and various other mentalities. What can I do to enable you to be more efficient? How can I not just help you, but how can I help your parents, your grandparents, your kids, your family, your friends, everybody around you to be safer? So we haven't done that. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with finance. You don't give me what I need on the money. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. Well, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Let's just be very, very blunt about it. Mm-hmm. What I should have done was presented to you in a language you understand. I should have come at you not as a CISO, but I should have come at you as the chief financial officer. I should have come at you with a finance conversation or a business conversation. How do I help enable better security at the company? How do we work together to reduce any kind of level of probability of risk? Mm -hmm. How do we do this in a business conversation? We haven't done that. We've all, we, we've unfortunately, in a lot of the times in the industry, gone in as the special snowflakes and said, well, we're right, everybody else is wrong. That doesn't work anymore. It should never have worked in the first place, but it doesn't work now. So that we've always come at it with a technical solution as opposed to you know communication, collaboration, cooperation, coordination, the, the four standard Cs mm-hmm. and community being the fifth one. Mm-hmm. We've not done it that way. Mm-hmm. It's always been like, oh, well, we'll go buy another solution. And then inside our own bloody industry, how many choices do you have for endpoint protection? It's antivirus with new marketing. Let's just be honest on this one. So we went from antivirus and we had one or two different ones. And then we had five or six different ones and we had 10. And then we were like, well, everybody's selling in. Well, now we're going to call it something different and we'll put new things around it. So we put new buzzwords that nobody understands. We made up for new acronyms, which nobody understands, even those of us in the blasted industry. And then we tried selling it again. And now we have 20 or 30 of the darn things in there. So... Rather than you own the company and you've got a very, very successful endpoint company and it's kicking ass, but it's got some things in there that maybe could be better. Mm-hmm. Rather than me coming to you and going, hey, can I help you? I've started up a new company. I compete against you. I'm spending so much money wasted on marketing to prove I'm better than you mm-hmm. when I should have sat down with you and said, hey, how can we make a better product? So it, it feels like the main point is kind of being missed here, which the main point is enabling people to 
help protect themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, and again, you know, Jason, Jason Street is a perfect way of putting this, which is if we'd spent half the money that we spend on technology on protecting the human, we wouldn't be anywhere near the problems that we're in. We, we slam when the main top 20 passwords for the last several years, the top password that everybody still uses is one, two, three, four, five, six. We haven't dented that. Okay. And that's 20, 30 years ago, for goodness sakes. Okay. So what are, what are some things you do in your personal life to help protect yourself when you're on your phone, on the computer? Um, yeah. What are, what are general tips uh, for people that you can recommend? I think it's just it's being aware and being careful. So perfect example, I'm out here at Cyber Week. Do I use Cyber Week's network? Do I use Tel Aviv University's network? No. But if I don't have a choice and I do use it, I use a virtual private network. So I build myself a little tunnel inside a very open public network. I build a little tunnel between my computer and, and my home networks or my office network. And then everything I say inside that tunnel is encrypted. Mm -hmm. which means hopefully nobody else is listening in on it. Mm -hmm. So that's just simple awareness around that. Same thing if you go to the coffee shop or wherever else. Use the network if that's all you have. For the most part, I use I use my own hotspot on my telephone, but I still also have the virtual private network built into it. So that's number one. Okay. Number two is I don't leave my computer unlocked anywhere. Okay. You know, I walk away from it and automatically, the nice thing about running an Apple Mac is I can just swipe to the bottom right hand or bottom left hand and the damn thing locks. It's easy. You know, I have I have encryption on my devices. So even if they get lost or stolen or somebody takes them, I don't care because they're not getting into the information. When I'm online, I'm very, very careful about my passwords I use. You know, if you if you take if you take your digital online world into like four quadrants, and you keep it simple. Let's just do four easy simple quadrants. In that top left hand quadrant, is everything you want to make public, everything you want to talk about on social media, everything you want to put on Snapchat. For crying out loud, don't use TikTok. Separate conversation there. Don't use bloody TikTok. For everything you put online, that top left-hand corner is the public stuff. It's the stuff that you are happy to stand on the street corner and yell at the top of your voice. The top right-hand corner is the stuff you kind of don't want to yell about. It, it's okay, but if if your online fantasy is bright pink elephants in, in Doc Martens, you might not want to be yelling that on the public streets, but you might want to keep that a little private. That's for your swipe left, swipe right modes, okay? okay. Now, the bottom left-hand corner, that's the stuff you really care about. That's your banking stuff. That's all your banking and financials. That's your life. That's your social or national security number. It's all That's your driver's license. That's the stuff you want to keep care of. Bottom right-hand side stuff, that's the stuff you don't even want on the computer. That's the stuff that's in the diary that never needs to see the light of day. And each one of those has its own separate like ecosystem. You don't share passwords between the four of those. You don't use the same email address. You just keep them very, very carefully. It's, it's buckets. Okay. Okay. Nice, simple way to do it. That actually sounds simpler than I thought it, it might be. You know, just having yeah. four different buckets and yeah. thinking about which information goes where. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we go, because I know you're always working on really, really fascinating research. Um, so can you talk a little bit about some of, some of the big research questions you're asking right now, some of the, the projects you, uh, feel comfortable talking about? Yeah, this, this, I, I love it. Again, this is the squirrel, this is like the squirrel hacker part of me that comes out. I, um, I'm having some fun. I'm having lots of fun. It's driving me nuts as well, but I'm having fun. So I'm doing a couple of things. First, where do we start with this? Let's start with the brain. Let's just start with the brain. Okay. So 
I've been working for a couple of years and I'm still doing more stuff on it. At some point in time, as, as my, I get older, I always joke about wanting to retire to a mainframe on New Zealand. Well, how do you do that? How do you take an aging, old, gray, curmudgeon body and digitize it? How do you take everything that's in the brain and build it so it isn't an AI system, it's me? And you're doing that right now. Yes, I'm working on that right. I'm actually okay. telling you, I'm, 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 my computer and I are learning together about me. Wow. It's okay. now, as I walk down into the lab space, it recognizes me. It opens up. Uh, it knows when I want a cup of tea. It knows when I want biscuits. It knows a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm training it to learn me, basically to become me. So it, it, there's some fun stuff we're doing, like basically pulling signals out of the brain, doing analytics on it, and right, and that's without digging into the brain. Elon and bless his little cotton socks is digging into the brain and putting chips in there. And I'm like, that's a little barbaric. Right, okay. I don't okay. want to do that. We're, we're doing this by literally pulling signals out and, and doing some really cool stuff. So I'm teaching, that's one fun thing. Second thing, obviously, with Boom Supersonic, I have basically a supersonic lawn dart that we're going to let people on. I have to do a ton of work both physically and digitally to make sure that that's as safe as humanly possible a lawn darts i call them lawn darts. okay yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm thinking about the was it in the 1950s i think when the lawn dart game was a big oh game my gosh yeah yeah bigger <laughs> versions realized, yeah yeah realized it was dangerous and pulled it off the market and yeah yeah no we're making we're making big ones of those okay. supersonic ones okay. uh yeah so we're making obviously the next for those people that remember Concord or knew about Concord, we're basically making the next version of that. Uh, really, the whole logic is is in the travel perspective to shrink the world, so that it makes it easier to have, as we're doing, face to face conversations rather than me being, you know, four and a half, five, six, seven thousand miles away. And to do that means we need to make it as safe as possible, as secure as possible. So we're building some amazing intelligence engines to take all sorts of interesting data from all sorts of interesting places and make decisions. Because again, if the machines, if machines and humans work together, we can be way more informed, way more efficiently, and in theory, make better decisions. So that's another one. Okay. Uh, light bulbs, light bulbs. So uh, I was going to release it here at at, uh, at Cyber Week, but I just I ran out of time. I've I've been I've released a little bit of the stuff already. So for years, we've been able to listen in on light bulbs. We've been able to listen in on signals on light bulbs. We've been able to listen in on lasers, all sorts of ways. We Basically, a light bulb is a listening device. But when they came out with the Internet of Things light bulbs, that, thing, that changed. So uh, over the last couple of years, I've been taking light bulbs to pieces and having fun, and, and house has the community. And so I've gotten to the point now where I've got code sitting on quite a number of billions of light bulbs that now allows me to turn them from passive light bulbs into like active listening devices is kind of fun so that that's another fun thing but again it, it's back to that you know trust and verify shenanigans right 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 well uh very uh, much more exciting projects than i'm working on <laughs> i'll tell you that much so chris i have to thank you for joining taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with me today and enjoy the rest of cyber week honored to be here and thank you very much yeah it's fun hanging out with everybody I've had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you.